Hello and welcome back to another episode of Binge List and Box Office Hits, the podcast about all things film, TV and streaming, with your host, Shannon Holiday, and me, Letitia Thomas. And welcome back to another episode of Bingeless and Box Office Hits. I am your host, Shannon Holiday, and I am joined once again by the lovely Letitia Thomas. Yes, you are. Every week. Every every, every which week. week. Yep. Until you're not. Three months. Yeah, until I'm gone. Until you're gone for a month for a trip. Yep. How have you been this week? I've been tired. Yes. I've been tired. I've been watching a lot of stuff. I feel like you were just about to nap when I went and picked you up this morning <laughs> to yeah. record this. Yeah, well, no, we don't have time to nap. No, we no have time, time to nap. To work. Get through this. Yep. We'll go from there. More work, more projects. More projects, always. What have we been watching this week, Tish? Well, I'll tell you what I've been watching. Yes, please. Last been- week in the podcast, you said, yes, please, I would love it if you would watch that. And what was that? That was beef. <laughs> and what did I do? I finished beef. You did finish beef. And guess who didn't finish beef? Me. It was me. Yeah, I did not finish you beef. You said, I would very much like it. So I went, oh, Shannon would very much like it. I'll be a good friend. And co-host, and I will finish I know, beef. you did really well. You watched a lot more than I did this week. I marathoned I it. don't even know how you managed to have the time. Nor do I, because I worked more. I yeah. was working on two other projects. I was getting my yeah. life together after the shit show that was the week before. Yep. Um, I'm tired. You're tired. I'm you tired. need You need a break week, I think. I don't think I'm going to get one. No, I don't think so, with more stuff getting added to your list. Uh, how did you find beef? I, I enjoyed it. Um, I think... It came together the last few episodes quite well. I think there was a bit in between that sort of maybe went on a bit too long. Like my yeah. my sort of view on it, and and don't get me wrong, I think it was brilliantly done. Yeah. So I'm not. It's not a critique. It's just if I were to do it, personal. Gripe. I think I would have preferred it done as like a feature film because I feel like because I watched it parts and then I was doing other stuff and then I came back to it. The main story beats I remember. Um, but all of like the little sort of episodic to fill in ones, I don't remember, and it didn't really affect how it went. I think if they yeah. condensed it slightly, it would be more that's, effective. That's how I felt so far. Thematic mm. tie-ins at the end where they sort of wrap it all up. Yeah, it's, it's great anyway, and I'm gl- I'm glad it got made. Yeah, like uh, I'm I'm halfway still. Mm-hmm. I only got to episode five the week before, and I probably agree with you in terms of I think it would have worked best as maybe a movie mm-hmm. um just tighten everything up and make it a little bit more linear and and go that way I think uh, but I haven't finished it yet so I can't say you know what the end result is or anything yeah it's um, more that like at the start um when it was all sort of amping up the stakes were pretty high mm. and then obviously at the end the stakes are still there's a they're quite middle, high as they're resolving but yeah, in the middle it it, it dragged not, it out a yeah. little bit too long so then I mean all this crazy stuff's happening yeah. and you understand why it it matters to the characters and why it's mm. emotional and how their lives are truly unraveling. But the stakes as a viewer don't feel as high because no. suddenly you're comfortable in this intensity. Yeah. So, you know, when when someone's family member's in, in danger, you go, oh, yeah, but we still have six episodes or, you know, like a couple episodes to you go. You know it's not going to be like... The world's not about to end. Yeah. But if it was tighter, the world would feel like it's ending the entire time. Yeah, if it was a two-hour movie, mm. the stakes could have been a lot higher for the whole two hours yeah. rather than... yeah. That's how I was feeling. I felt like the filler bit in the middle, which is what I'm currently at, it's, yeah, it's just kind of dragging. Like, it's a lot of character development there. Don't get me wrong, but um, 
in terms of yeah. story structure, it's not really progressing at the moment. No, and I think you can – and that's what I think is the brilliance of, of movies that have kind of been forgotten lately because television's where – sort of where the money is to yeah. a degree. Um, people are really into TV now. Yeah, I just think that you can still do characters with the same stakes and the same personal lives and you can get all of that in a two-hour or – you know, movie mm. the same as you can in a in a TV series. Sometimes, like sometimes, it needs to be a TV series, and it truly really does. And then other times, it's like, oh, it could have been just as effective as a movie. And I think if that's the case, then maybe make it a movie, unless it's a purely like you know business decision to make it TV. What did you watch this week? Well, apart teesh. from a bunch of Indiana Jones, which yeah, we both we, watched, but yeah. we'll get to that soon. The topic is Indiana Jones, and we watched all five, so we'll get to that in the main topic. But what we also watched and. This is both oh, of yeah, us. Oh, yeah, I forgot that this was After this last week. week's Jesus. episode, we went and watched Transformers Rise of the Beasts. We did. I was very confused. Yeah, For you... anyone at home, I've never seen a Transformers film mm. all the way through, or if ever. Um, and Shannon said, you want to go see a movie? And I said, sure. He said, want to see Transformers? And I went, I guess. Well, even I wasn't really sure of what we were seeing. No, and then... Because and my housemate, Ben, yeah. who was in the house at the same time, was like, oh, movies to all three of us? And we're like, yeah, all right. And we hadn't decided what we're seeing. And we just went. It was the only one on at the time. We went, yeah, Is that Transformers. How that happened? Transformers, I wasn't sure. let's go. Um, I did want to see it. I was like, I'm mildly interested enough to to go and watch this. I've seen the first four Transformers. I've seen up to the first uh, Mark Wahlberg one. I haven't seen Bumblebee and I didn't see The Last Night, which was the last Transformers proper mainline mm-hmm. one. Um, apparently Bumblebee was quite good. I just haven't seen it. This one was, because I've seen what I've seen, I, this one was better than I expected. It was definitely probably not as good as the first Transformers film, which is probably the best in the series still. Usually is, because you know, yeah, the first one's done with an intention to make a good film yeah. based on something, and then after that it's cash grabs. Which is definitely what the second one was. Um, yeah, it was it was, it was was entertaining enough. I thought the adult character, I mean, sorry, adult, the human characters were good enough to be in that world. Yeah. They were charismatic enough to drive the story. It was just more Transformers. So I went in with the expectation pretty low in terms of like story being deep mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Like it was just, you know. Yeah, you didn't really get that with this No. There was constantly like things exploding, just tongue-in-cheeks, you know, jokes aimed at like kids. But there was a little bit of like stuff that got subtly missed towards adults as well. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think they knew what age they really wanted to hit no, with it. They wanted um, to hit every demographic just enough. Yeah. It was a little a little messy at times. Yeah. Um, it had um, the yeah. voices of Pete Davidson. So Peter Cullen as well, who's the usual um, Optimus Prime. It had Ron Perlman as um, Optimus, what was it? Optimus Primal. Primal, yeah. Which is the, the gorilla dude yeah. thing. And Michelle Yeoh was the eagle, which is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyone who is a big fan of Transformers, please don't be offended by the way I'm talking about it. I just <laughs> don't understand it. Um, oh, if you I'm, love it, that's cool. I, I'm very ignorant and I'll admit that. It's worth seeing. Even if you're like mildly interested yeah, in the Transformers or not, it was like, one of the better entries into the series. It it sort of looked into like I guess the the history myth of Transformers because it's like you got yeah. like the ones that are like part car again. Everyone kill me. Like, <laughs> part cars, like they're like cars, but they're, they're also robots Transformers. In Whatever. And then you've got like the Maximals, which is the animal, the ones. animal part Transformer, yeah. and then you've got like. The bigger like Terracons car transformer <laughs> robot things. I don't know. I, I don't know. I just got dragged along. And look, yeah. I kind of enjoyed it to be honest. As much as I think, no, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get 
roasted on here, but like I was, <laughs> I was amused more than I should have been. Yeah, I because think I didn't, I didn't understand it from like a, a fan's perspective. So yep. I wasn't like, oh, cool. I was just like, what is happening? <laughs> this is what I'm just gonna keep I'm riding so this wave. And then I just kept imagining all of the um, people that come into my work and they buy like the Transformers figures, the and I'm like, figurines. oh, this is what you're into. Right. It was okay. a weird eye opening moment yeah. for me all at once. It definitely was for me too. Um, I'm just gonna kind of explain when it kind of sits in the timeline oh yeah as go well. for it because i don't know because what you're talking about. people who have seen the others are like where does it sit like where is sam widwicky and all that anyway it's set in the 90s so it's set after bumblebee so bumblebee is the origin story for bumblebee mm-hmm. and then it's set directly after that but it's before the mainline transformers one to five yeah before so, the shia labeouf ones but yep. before the shia labeouf ones so the 90s one. So that means they could probably do another sequel to Rise of the Beast that just doesn't affect the mainline because it's set like 10 years, 20 years before. Yeah, I could – I mean, I don't know. Shia LaBeouf's one takes off, which is I think it's 2008 it came out or 2007. So they've got like 17 years of timeline that they could fit more movies in between. So I'm assuming this will probably do pretty well as like a revival of the series. Yeah, for like the next generation of kids and adults who love them, but, you yeah. know – Aiming for the children because you always want to bring in new audience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a little kind of plot twist is what I'll say at the end, which confused the hell out of me. I was going to say, is there? I don't really well, know Well, I looked at Ben because I didn't look at you because you wouldn't have known what's going <laughs> on. And I was like, was what happening? the hell was that? It's like the last shot of the Oh, movie. the G.I. Joe. Yeah, I've the G.I. Joe. Um, well, you did. But yes, it's the G.I. Joe. We kind might of, cut that maybe or just no, don't listen. It. Yep. Um, it's Transformers. It's you'll Transformers. Right. You'll be fine. Uh, there's a G.I. Joe kind of like um, – it's mentioned anyway. Yeah. And I'm going to assume they're going to – it's a trial for a spin-off movie together yeah. for the next one, which will probably be the sequel. Which, I mean, look, I have nothing to say on it. I don't know what I'm talking about. I didn't love G.I. Joe movies. They weren't amazing. So, I think I saw one of them, but I couldn't tell you which one. Rise of the Cobra? Probably. Or the other one. I don't remember the name. Maybe it was Rise. I don't know. I think I think we have it on DVD. Like Origins? The family home. Yeah, maybe. Snake Eyes? I don't, There's three. Look, I, I truly don't know. I just I remember it turned up at home <laughs> and I was like, it, what? And then I watched it. It yeah. was fine. It's fine. They're, they're just action. I don't know. Yeah. What else did you watch this week? Anything of any importance? No, that's literally, mo- that's, that's all I that's watched. That's it for you? Is I that had to get Indiana through Jones? a lot of Indiana Jones, which I thought I'd seen. And yeah. it turns out I've only seen the first one and bits of the second one. So yeah, had, which we'll get into. I had a lot of work. Yeah. But anyway, what else did you watch? I, I put a movie on last night mm-hmm. after we went and saw Dial of Destiny. Yes. I And I had to write up a bunch of stuff for this episode. So I was like, oh, I'll put a movie on while I'm getting my notes together and stuff. Yeah, that's I could not do two f- things last night. My brain was... Fried. I put on A Walk Among the Tombstones. Mm-hmm. It's from 2014. It's starring Liam Neeson, Dan Stevens, David Harbour from Stranger Things and Boyd Holbrook, who was funnily enough in Dial of Destiny as well. Um, this one is directed by Scott Frank and it's based on the book of the same name. Uh, it's about a private investigator that uh, Liam Neeson plays. Um, he is hired by a drug kingpin to find out who kidnapped and murdered his wife. I would love for you to be in one of these films. Just by the way, you said kingpin. Well, I was like, I need to say this properly, so I'm going to slow that down. You'd be murdered immediately. <laughs> Are you a kingpin? Yeah. <laughs> um, it's like, we can't handle this guy. Instantly shot. Yeah. He can't speak properly. Uh, I don't know how I felt like this one. I was half watching it, half not, but I was watching enough to know kind of what was going on mm-hmm. uh, while I was writing notes. It was... It wasn't filmed amazingly well. It was definitely probably about a B-grade kind of movie in terms of like 
the cinematography. Um, it was like when the title screen comes up, it's got Liam Neeson like walking down the stairs. You know, like the stairs that the Joker like dances on? Kind of similar to yeah. that. Not the exact ones, but he's walking down the stairs and it just like puts the title above his head in the sky. And it's done with like, it's like Times New Roman. It's like the, the worst title oh. I've ever seen. Well, they had no budget for they, that. Well, the thing is, I looked that up. Twenty-three to twenty-eight million dollars. Yeah, the money went this. somewhere else. It went, it went just to Liam Neeson, Liam just Neeson. to get him in the film. Because the only reason they would have got it made. Expensive film to make. It's mostly like a neo-noir thriller crime film, and it's just mostly him walking around spying on people. Yeah, being like, a hard-boiled detective, like stalking people and working it out. Um, um, he's not stalking. He's a private eye. He is a private eye. He's a private investigator. Yep. He is actually, he was a cop. There's like a mm-hmm. two timeline situation going on in 1991 and 1999's the main story. They line. usually are. So it starts off with him being like this this cop. He's like a drunken cop. He's like, mm-hmm. I don't need mm-hmm. backup. And he goes into a, like a, a bar and someone gets shot and he's chasing him down. But then it cuts to 1999. So you don't know what the outcome of that is. And then he's already a private investigator. So you don't know why he left. He gets a, he gets a young sidekick. Right. Throughout this film, and then he slowly like grows to like help him, and because he's homeless and all that, so he like helps him like get him on track, and he explains what happened to him back in nine nine one to uh-huh. his kid. Turns out he was chasing these like robbers down that shot the bartender, and as he was shooting, yeah, like the second guy who ran away, one of his bullets like strayed and hit a seven year old girl. Oh uh, yeah, so yeah, he yeah. got the he got the robbers, but he killed someone else. Mm-hmm. So he still got like commemoration for solving the crime but he left on his own accord anyway the story itself is him trying to find this murdered wife he tracks them all down one of the murderers is david harbour from stranger things nice evil so good david he's Harbour's really, he's fantastic maybe underrated this. i don't yeah. know i just feel like he's only popped up out of the woodworks recently yeah well this is 2014 so this yeah. is like 10 years ago he plays this really well like just i think he's there's one line in the quote he's like so how did you feel like I think he's like how do you feel about like st- like kidnapping people once they're in the once they're in the van they're just body parts <laughs> it's like chilling he plays it oh, very well yeah that's a good line yeah the, he's the standout of this is David Harbour because Liam Neeson's just playing the same role he had in Taken, Taken basically which I need to watch at some point have you seen any of them I don't know the first one's amazing there was a lot of a lot of time when I was younger where it was like. I was mostly just watching movies if, A, someone had put them on a hard drive. So Taken was not going to be on a hard drive mm. um, or if it was on TV. So that's why I'm like, I don't maybe I saw it. Probably in Maybe bits, I saw it. I don't know. Probably parts of it on TV in between ads. So this was directed by Scott Frank and he he actually screen wrote a lot of films as well. He screen wrote The Wolverine and Logan, which was directed by James Mangold, who ah, funnily enough- circle. We watched Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, Destiny, which is, I was like, oh, it's all connected. Yeah. He also screen wrote like Minority Report and stuff like that. So he's, Mm. in terms of writing, he's great. Directing. We'll see. Maybe not his wheelhouse because this wasn't amazing. Yeah. Ah, well, I mean, we all got to try something, don't we? Yeah, exactly. I don't know if the book's better or whatnot, but that's what what else I watched besides Indiana Jones, all five of them. But we'll get to that a little bit later. I think it is time for... Trivia. It is trivia time, Are ready? people. Are you ready? Yes. What's the name of the skyscraper in Die Hard? Nakarumi Tower? You're close. Naka- yeah, um, I'll give it to you anyway. It's, it's Nakatomi Plaza. Nakatomi Plaza, yes. All right. Next. I knew the one. Like I just oh, I'll give it to you. Yeah. <laughs> it's close enough. <laughs> it's close enough. I wouldn't have known it. Yeah. I like that one, actually. It's really good. 
1927 musical was the first talkie? Talkie? As in um, No, I know what a talkie is. Yeah, I'm yeah. just trying to think. Um, the jazz singer? You got it. I didn't actually know that that was a talkie, but I know it's like the first one to win an Oscar, so I just assumed you, yeah, put it maybe together? it's going to be that. I haven't watched it. I that really want I do want to see it. I had none of that. We do trivia at work sometimes, and the jazz singer is an answer I always forget, so I'm really trying to remember that that's one. That's the one. So yeah, I went for it. That's the one. Uh, for what movie did Tom Hanks score his first Academy Award nomination? It's either, mm, I mean, Forrest Gump's got to be there, but was it his first? It's. Uh, I'm going to say... No, because that was the 90s. He did a bunch before that. I just need you to pick an answer. I know that. You probably know the answer. It's Forrest Gump? No. Um, if not that one, which one would you have picked? Sleepless in Seattle? Nah, it's big. I was going to say big. I know. I saw her on TV. <laughs> tell you. I'm like, say it. You like, didn't say it. I was like, I was like big. I can't give it to you. <laughs> like I said, I was going to say big. Didn't say You didn't. I didn't could see say you like, go to mouth and then went, oh, no, you got scared. And I was like, <laughs> I was say like, it. No, it's surely not big. I was trying to help you, it's not, but. It's not. It can't be big. <laughs> It was. It clearly is. In the Matrix, does Neo take the blue pill or the red pill? The red pill? You are correct. Okay, yes. I've seen the movie, but I couldn't remember which one he picks. Goes down Alice in Wonderland, mm. goes down the rabbit hole. I know the story, mm. but that one detail, I was like, I actually don't remember that bit. Take the blue pill. Go back to your life. I know, it's, it's too much memed now that I'm yeah, like, I, I can't remember the origin of it. Have you, um, uh, randomly aside, before we get into my, like another question, have you seen Resurrections? The newest one? Okay, so there was a couple years back where I didn't have... I was, like, trying to watch a bunch of cinema that I hadn't seen. Yeah. So I was like, I'm just going to watch the first of a bunch of movies. Yeah, okay. So I've only actually seen the first Matrix. I mean, that's fine. That's the best. The best. And that's what everyone tells me. So I started with it with the intent to watch the rest at some point. Again, that hasn't happened yet. So we're (laughs) going to move on. Uh, What was the first feature-length animated movie ever released? Is it Snow White and the Seven Dwarves? Yeah, you got it. Yes. Knew that one. Who played Mrs. Robinson in The Graduate? Oh, my God. Um, Dustin Hoffman? No, Dustin no. Hoffman's the, the student. Oh, I don't know. Who plays Mrs. Robinson. I haven't seen it. Anne Bancroft. I know the name. Yeah, I vaguely do as well. Yeah, um, I haven't seen that one. Yeah. Sorry, everyone. I haven't I'm seen The Graduate. I kind of... I've been to as well. wanting to, yeah. but it's a classic. It's I think that's that's all. I think you've got three there. Do you want to do one more? Yeah, give me a fourth one. Complete the name of this classic 1957 movie, Bridge on the River Kwai. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I have seen it. I think my dad had it on when I was very young, and I kind of watched it. It's a war film. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen it. I don't know if I have. I can't say I remember it. Um, shall we get into the news? Yeah, look, there's not a lot because what's happening is there's still a writer's strike. Yeah. So until they pay people, the news is going to be... It's going to be a bit lackluster at the moment. Yeah, even though it's like summer of movies at the moment with all the blockbusters coming out, there's really not that much else happening No, it's kind of just like here's the press of the stuff that we've made. Yeah. Like Barbie and Oppenheimer, which I'm very excited for. Yeah, that's everywhere at the moment. And Um, even Mission Impossible, which is one of the news points. Yeah, that's true. Alan Arkin died in his home in California on June 29. He was 89 years old. He is Oscar winner for Little Miss Sunshine. And he has re- recently received back-to-back Emmy noms for Kominsky Method. Yeah. What what sort of film, when you think of Alan Arkin, what, what are the films? It's Little Miss Sunshine, Little Miss Sunshine? For, for me, yeah. Where yeah. he's talking to the daughter. Little character. Olive. Yeah, oh. adorable. I think for me it's that one and then also um, Sums of Beverly Hills, which is a picture he yeah, did in the y- 90s. you've watched And that he one. plays the dad in that and he's just – it's sort of a similar character. 
Yeah. But yeah, he's just, he just does it so well. And it's like. That's what he reminds what me of. Cool he's, that, he's, like, he's like the cool granddad kind of character. Yeah. yeah. Have you seen Kaminsky Method? I haven't, no. I, I haven't. haven't. I've been meaning to watch it because it's apparently brilliant. But. Yeah. Oh, it's, yeah, that's kind of, it's not good to hear because he was, although he had a full life, 89. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's tough because, yeah, he's. It's like one of the greats, you know. Yeah. But. And that's going to happen a little bit more as they come on through. As everyone gets old. <laughs> it's unfortunate. Um, yeah, so for Mission Impossible, Hayley Atwell revealed that her screen test for the mysterious role of Grace in the new one um, required a two-hour screen test and was essentially, like, stunt training. And what's interesting, usually it's like yeah, they yeah. test you with the dialogue and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I've seen screen tests before. Yeah. It's, uh, it's pretty it's pretty brief. It's basically just like you just, do a couple of lines of dialogue. Yeah. Usually if it's a... It's a um, like a franchise, you'll be with the main person. Well, yeah, they with. do their sides, and then eventually, if they yeah. like you, they're like, okay, let's okay, do a chemistry read yeah, chemistry, and that kind yeah. of thing. Um, and what I found interesting with this one is that basically they wrote instead of writing a character, yeah, and then getting someone to like be able to play the character, they would find people they liked mm-hmm. with semi decent ability for stunts, and then they wrote the character around that. Around that. Which is so weird. It's very um, unprecedented. But when you think about a Mission Impossible movie, a lot of it is based on stunts, and a lot of the in the films it's improv stunts. Mm-hmm. Um, like yeah. it's like, oh, we need to do this on the fly, and so it needs to look like they're doing that as well. So, and that- um, yeah, Haley Atwell said um, from the physical training, we discovered that I was a quick learner through sleight of hand tricks and using a prop. So a character is an opportunist who can take inanimate objects and make them a weapon rather than someone who's, like, well-trained. And so from that, this inconsistent character emerged, someone who's spontaneous, quite unpredictable, but not calculating, which I think is fascinating. That's really cool. But yep. just such a, a bizarre way to like, – I mean, it makes sense, mm-hmm. but just very out-of-the-box way of casting someone. And, I mean, yeah. Hayley Atwell's amazing. She's great. She's in the um, – She was um, – First Avenger. Peggy Carter. Yeah, because yeah. they had her own series based out of that Which, as a spin-off. The first season, amazing. Second season. Not so much. Fell through. Yeah. I haven't watched it yet. But she's great as Peggy Carter. Yeah. yeah. And she's, yeah, great actress. Yeah. Able to do like the drama mm-hmm. and comedy and she can pick up the comedy action quite well. well. Yeah. And that's it. That's that's all we had. Pretty we much scoured it. the internet and there was really not much happening this week. So not really. Keep in touch. Next week we'll have a little bit more news, hopefully, in terms of maybe some new developments, new movies. Hopefully. Yeah. But, um... Rambling aside, I'll put this in the news. Okay. Um, we were at the cinemas yesterday and we saw the trailer for Force of Nature, The Dry 2. Oh, yes. I was like, what are you talking about? Which you were like, what is this? And I don't know if you've seen The Dry. You haven't seen The Dry 1? I haven't watched it. No, I saw a lot of advertising for it. Yes. Meant to watch it, but just had no idea what the story was. Yeah. Um, because I, I mean, that's on me. I just never looked into it. Yeah, well, it's a book first, um, so. Yeah, I know. Like, yeah. I'm up with my Australian productions. I just yeah. didn't look into it and then missed it at the cinemas yeah. and kind of forgot about it. Yeah. I'm, it's I do want to watch it. I don't know when I will because. You won't be here, I don't think. Next week I have a lot to watch as well. Yeah. To catch up. It's it's worth seeing. It's a very good Australian Is production. Is it crime? Like, yeah. yeah, okay. It's a crime. It's a crime. See, if anyone had told me movie. that, I would have absolutely been in Eric Banner, playing Eric Banner as an Australian, full Aussie accent. Mm-hmm. As a detective from Melbourne who has to go to the outback and solve a crime from a town he used to live in. Oh, why didn't no one tell me this? Yeah. I would have been all over it. It's really good. And so the second one is, I'm going to assume the book's just called Force of Nature or Forces of Nature. um, And to associate it with the fact that it's the same 
character from the dry two or the dry sorry it's yeah subtitled the dry two so if anyone's um seen the dry check out the trailer for forces of nature it looks amazing the looks cast and it's really brilliant good. yeah 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 so worth checking out i thought i'd add that in the news i just remembered last night <laughs> so yeah indiana jones yes yeah main topic of today is indiana jones saga when like were these big films in your childhood or no. No. So, well, yes and no. I didn't get to watch these randomly as a kid. They were out all before I was basically born. The third one was the same year I was born, The Last Crusade. But I didn't watch these till I was 18 and I had my own little computer in my room and I had them um, a copy of them. Probably illegal. Yeah, I had a legal. Put on a USB or something. Yeah, something like yeah. that. I had the three of them. Um, it was just before K- Crystal Skull came out. And I was like, oh, okay, well, it's a, it's a big franchise. I haven't seen any of it. I'll watch all three in a row before I see the fourth one. So for me, it wasn't it wasn't a childhood thing. It was more of like a, a teenage thing just to catch up on the series. Just like what you did basically for this fifth one. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if, is that f- like you? You were like, oh, I just haven't got around to watching well, it before? or you Yeah, have, I never had haven't? them. As a kid, and I remember when I was, you know, a teenager, maybe like 14 to 16, mm-hmm. they were like channel like nine or something was putting them all yeah. on like week to week. And I was like, I've never seen these. This is my chance. Um, and I remember like I'd been out with my mum somewhere and I remember like racing up the street because I was like, oh, we're running out of time mm-hmm. and I needed to watch this movie. And I remember watching the first one, loving it. Yep. And then I think the next week I went to watch the second the second one, Temple of Doom. Yeah. And I watched bits of it, but I think at the time, it may have been around the same time that my cousin was coming over from England. So I think we Skype called him. So I missed a lot of it because we were on a Skype call. And then I, I assumed I'd seen like the third one. Yeah, okay. The Last not. Crusade, you have Yeah, I had when not. When you put it on. I put it on immediately and I was like, oh, this is not familiar to me at all. Even <laughs> watching um like Temple of Doom, I was like, oh, yeah, I don't think I got very far in this way back when, when I thought I'd seen most of it. So... Yeah, look, I I enjoyed watching them this week as yeah. much as it was. It was, was a lot. lot. It was a lot. It's I did enjoy me, them. Yeah, like I said, I d- it sounded like I didn't watch much, but watching well, quite literally five movies in a in, from a franchise in one week is is quite a bit. Raiders of the Lost Ark, nineteen eighty one. I think it's my favorite one. I'm going. It's my favorite one. Yeah, probably by far. Mm-hmm. I think it's just got the most. Like you said before, it's like you know you set it up because it's. They build it rather than build a franchise. Yeah. It's made as a movie because that's what they wanted to make. Like this is the best idea we could have for, for it, a character it's made for and that's it. why it is, yeah. Yeah, and I think I enjoyed it because it is the most like adventuristic, um, whimsical. The character's at his youngest, mm-hmm. so he's at his most um, sprightly abilities. Yeah. Um, and um, the female lead's really good too. So uh, was it Karen Allen? Yeah, as She's Marian. great as Marion. That opening for her character, especially she's when it was made in – the 80s, but it was set in like the 30s. Yeah, 1936. So I remember one. watching that for the first time being like, oh, I love this. Yeah, she's the, the like, owner of the she's bar. She's cool. She's drinking men under the, the table. I'm yeah. like, I want to drink men under the table. I can't. I'm five foot nothing. Yeah, it set My up a character as it. like someone who can hold their mm-hmm. own, a badass. It was a good introduction to her character. And I like that it was like, it was that. And then it was like, oh, yeah, Indy. I don't need you anymore because no. you left me 10 years ago and I've yeah. figured it out for myself now. Thank you. I'm glad they added that. Like, yes, they've got history. Like, yeah, you, your, her dad was your father mm-hmm. figure for quite a while. Um, but then you kind of had a, um, you know, an, an out with me. So you didn't talk to my dad anymore and now he's passed away. So there's this whole layered kind of introduction to the two characters, which I quite enjoyed. And I think what I enjoyed about uh, her being sort of 
the companion in a sense. Yeah. Um, is she's the only one throughout the entire or oh, this new one's not quite as close but similar mm. that like could go toe to toe with Indy on a mm. personal level. Yeah. All of his other companions have sort of been like reliant on him. It's damsel in distress. Yeah. Scenarios, and, and especially the second one. But yeah, yeah, and she's very much just like, no, I'm not putting up with your your yeah. shit, basically. And and he's sort of a character that's used to people putting up with yeah, well, him that, all the time. There's that scene about halfway through the film where Indy discovers that she actually hasn't died. Yeah, she's tied and up. She's tied up at the Nazi camp in Egypt, and he leaves because he's like, he's like, oh, I'm not gonna uh, rescue you she's yet so because mad. I need to not let uh, the guards know that I'm here. I need to do something first and just leaves. And then, so she has to try and get her own way out. So she's trying to manipulate the other archaeologists yep. to, uh, to escape. She puts on the wedding dress. Yeah. And, and then uh, gives yeah. him hell. And then I love when Indy comes back and he's like, what are you wearing? Like trying to give her. And yeah. she's like, dude, you left me, you left me. to I had figure to, it I had out. to try and yeah. get out of my own accord. So that was what she was trying to do, which is good. Cause yeah, it showcased her character as trying Mm-hmm. On her own court to get out of situations and stuff. It was yeah, it was good. And then you had uh, Solomon, mm-hmm. Solomon's character, who's in most of the other films yeah. as well. Um, John Reese Darby, is it? I think is the Davies. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very good, very good as that character who's just like he just backs Indy. Whatever he does, he's just like he's his morale support yep. person, Little uh, hype man. He's his hype man. It's great. Um, what did you make of the set piece at the start of Raiders of the Lost Ark? The introduction to the character where he's going through like the little puzzles to get through to get the golden little statuette oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then the bold the, the, the iconic yep. um, boulder yeah. scene i think it's brilliant that the way like yeah. the opening of the film and look i'm gonna get film filmmaker pretentious but like the fact that so much of it was practical yeah just it puts you in it in it in a way that like they're just not able to do Nowadays, the same way now, which is what we'll probably discuss later As on we when get we get into to it, the fourth and fifth one. Yeah, I just, agree with you in terms of practical effects. It, it brings this like immediacy to yeah. what's going on, and it, it makes it yeah feel more real and attainable to you sitting at home in the real world. Yeah, I just I think the whole the whole first film was just yeah, it was really um, well done. It's fun. I think it's um, great. I think the fact that it's. It's two really iconic kind of geniuses of their craft. Like it's George Lucas mm-hmm. and Steven Spielberg yeah. pretty much in their prime coming up with this idea of Indiana Jones and obviously Steven Spielberg directing it, which is why it's just so good. And I found it interesting because I was reading up on it and I can't remember which one of them had the, the sort of idea because they had sort of different ideas of Indy as a character. Yeah. Um, and they wanted him to be a bit more James Bond Bond-esque. at some point. Yeah. And then I remember that. they decided mm-hmm. like – no, because he's an archaeologist. So yeah. I did. I think it was a good choice not to make him like too much of a Bond, it's, a Bond type. It's why they wanted to cast Sean Connery in yeah. the third one as his dad because it's the father of yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, I just think his character is the sort of. I mean, look, you can't put Harrison Ford in something and not have him be gruff. Like that's just not no. Gonna that's happen. that's who Harrison Ford is. Um, but yeah, just having he has so much charisma, and I think that's what works. I think that's yeah. As this yeah. Although as an older. Indie. Yeah. He's a bit more uh, grumpy than, you know, charming. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, he kind of changes. Yeah, so this one was filmed with a budget of $20 million. It was sent to, you know, pre-polling, pre-testing, and it didn't have uh, much interest of the film to begin with, with those pre-pollings, because it was coming out at about the same time as Superman 2. And obviously it's a franchise, it's Superman, it was uh, going to do well, and people were expecting that to do better than 
Indiana Jones. Yeah, well, um, at that point, Indiana Jones was a, an original idea. Exactly. Um, this film ended up making $330 million, which is wild. It was the highest grossing film of 1981. It won five Academy Awards, seven Saturn Awards, and one BAFTA. That's nuts. That's huge. For a yeah. blockbuster film yep. at that time. It's just it's crazy. It's crazy. And it was I mean, honestly warranted. I think it was it's fantastic. Oh, absolutely. Did you hear um about how most of them were severely ill? Mm-hmm. Because they were all eating food in was it tons no, that's based in Tanzania is in the story point, but Yeah, Egypt, I think. Yeah, they were they were I don't know, they yeah. they were off in the middle of nowhere shooting. North North Africa. Mm. Yeah. And they were all eating like, you know, local cuisine except for Spielberg. Yeah. Who was eating like brought in food, get processed canned food. spaghetti. Yeah. And they all got violently mm-hmm. ill with food poisoning to the point where one scene it, Indy ends up shooting someone. Yeah, that scene where the big guy with the big sword like Yeah, does he all was these supposed to like acrobats. use his whip or something, but they were just they were so doubled over. Yeah. That they were like, what just, if we just shoot him? I think Harrison Ford just said, Look, yeah. I, I feel violently ill. <laughs> why, why doesn't just Indy just shoot, shoot him? him? So he just gets his gun out and shoots yeah. him. <laughs> yeah, it, and that's iconic now. It is. It's it, so good. It's and like I don't know, just the first one was fun. Like there was a little monkey dude in it. Yes, monkeys that's are right. cool. I mean, you can't do that now because no, you know, it's probably not great for the monkeys. No, there was a CGI monkey in the fourth one. Mm. A lot of them. Yeah, yeah, but like, they can do that. But that's it just, fine. I don't know. It's just, it was something about it. It, it was, was charming a at the fun time. Fantasy and the character of Indy fit in the mm-hmm. timeline perfectly as an adventure story. It was the rise of the Nazis. The Nazis are obviously trying to look for the Ark of the Covenant because Hitler wants to have his army be uh, was it immortal? Basically, they think yeah. the Ark of the Covenant gives them powers for their army, so they're trying to track it down. The U.S. government essentially asks Indy to track it down first because he's pretty good as being an archaeologist to be able to find it and yeah that's where the kind of story is driven from they go to egypt for clues and they end up finding it and then they go to this island off greece randomly i don't know if you remember the map but it's like greece and then there's just random island and they go and they open it there for some reason don't know why i think anyway uh, yeah and and there's it's very very Indiana Jones is at the end of every film, basically, there's like a face-melting scene mm, mm-hmm. in this. When I first watched this back in like 08, I was like very confronted, not like scared, but like confronted by yeah. how graphic the Me too. The practical effects of the face-melting scene yeah. is. It would have been like 2012 maybe when I was watching it. Yeah. And, but still, I was like, this is the 80s. What are yeah, they doing? Yeah, I was doing? like, whoa, it this sort is of comes out of Comes out no. of nowhere. Because obviously they open the Ark of the Covenant, all these kind of ghosts mm-hmm. or like godly powers come out of it. Essentially, I do really like and kill all the Nazis and then melt the two main villains. The, the characters that they put like in this one with like to start off the franchise with Indy and then Marion because she does hold her own. But you've got that moment when it is sort of the the big moment at the end where all the spirits and whatever coming yeah. out. And, you know, he's, he's like, like Marion, don't look. Don't and, look, like, she's look. not looking, but she's struggling to not look. And it really reminds everyone, like, mm. these people are just human. They're not superhuman. Yeah. I mean, it just sort of worked well. It really did. Yeah, I just thought it was it was surprising at that level of violence yeah. for, an, for his, what essentially was supposed to be a kid's film. Yeah. Well, not like kids, well, but, like, you yeah, know. Yeah, family like, adventure. Family adventure film. Um, and that became a staple of the series, really, from each film the villain grossly dying in each film. Where does it end in the first one with him and Marion? They're just sort of like they're on good terms now, maybe a rom- yeah, little bit of romance. But I can't exactly remember the last scene, so I don't know how it wraps up. But like, I think, I think they're all just hanging out with um, oh, what's Solomon? the guy's name? Yeah, Solomon and all his yeah. kids and the family. That's and right. Like, I think it's just like oh, they're 
you know, they've, they've sort of kissed, rekindled something. Like, yeah, I think that's as far as it's gone. Could have a happy ending. Could, could end. have. It, well, yeah. it was supposed Again. to be just that's the film. That's yeah. the first film. They didn't know it was going to be a franchise, so it just felt like it's a happy ending. Mm-hmm. Essentially. And then we get into the second one. Yeah, if which we move on is to a prequel. Temple of Doom, which I didn't realize it was a prequel. Not did I? Quite literally today or yesterday. Yeah, me too. Um, I just because I swear to God, don't pay I attention was, to dates in movies. I mean, I'm like, oh, the general gist. It's the 30s. Cool, I'm gonna have whatever. to look it up if it's got an actual date for Temple of Doom in the film. I don't know if it does. Mm. I can't remember. But anyway, it's supposed to be 1935, which is set before Raiders of the Lost Ark. Which mm-hmm. is very surprising. I thought it was in between. Which I mean, it, like, it works either way you look at it. Really, yeah, it's still the same era. It's still the 30s. It hasn't changed. It's just yeah. It was filmed in 1984, so three years later. Once um. You know, obviously it's become this absolute gangbusters of a movie, so mm-hmm. they made a sequel. This one's a lot darker. This oh, absolutely. One's hell of a lot darker. So it's um still banned in India, I believe. I think so. Yeah, I read up a Which, lot about look, that. I don't blame them. Because of the depictioners of India. Yeah. It's not great. It's hectic. Yeah. I mean, it's a fantasy story, but it's also their country, so I completely understand mm, it. Yeah, especially to you've got to think it's made in sort of the eighties. Yeah. And a lot of parts of I mean, there's still you know, like traditional religions over there, but also it's a very Catholic. Yeah. Because of um yeah. invasion. British. Yep. Yep. I was reading up about this, about the controversies with the Indian like community. Yeah, or government or whatever. Government. Yeah. The government essentially wanted to have uh final cut rights. Which is to based a degree on fair, especially of, in the eighties. Yeah, like depiction of it. So they filmed it in um I think it was Sri Lanka. Yeah. I think. Sri Lanka, which is just south of yeah, anyone playing sure at home, it was, it's yeah. off the coast. So I'm pretty sure it was there, it was filmed, <laughs> and a lot of it was sound studios because most of it takes place under, yeah. underground. Yeah, it was a lot of that. It was, yeah, Final Cut rights, and I think I Steven Spielberg even, like, apologised for it at one point because of – he was like – you know the part where they get all, the, like, the monkey brains, heads, yeah, and bugs Yeah, it was and supposed stuff? to be something else. Scripted. It was supposed to be a joke made at Westerners. Yeah. Based on their depiction of food culture of India. Yeah. And so that was what the joke was supposed to be, but it just didn't, it didn't land. land. It didn't land. It didn't depict on screen the way. No, because I was to. messaging you while we're watching it, yeah. and I was like, "Pretty sure my grandparents were eating monkey brains." Yeah, no. So it just didn't land. So he did apologize for that because that's not what the intent was, no. basically. Yeah. So that was that, and yeah, obviously it's got um white hero syndrome mm-hmm. as well. Like these Indian villagers task Indiana Jones with um getting back there. Their children and the magical rock that you know lives in their village. Yeah, I was sort of watching this, and they can't help themselves. So it's I'm sure of how I felt because I don't like to put a sort of contemporary lens. Yeah, I know on films, but I was sort of watching it like, okay, the eighties aren't that far back. I mean, they're they're back, but they're not that far back. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, I don't think, I don't think this was mm. the maybe the best move. I wouldn't, you know, cancel it or anything, but no. but there was that sort of complicated perspective on it because I was like, yeah, it does feel very like. Did you feel that too? white man coming it? in? Yeah. yeah, it was. It was yeah, white man coming knighthood save the day. Which look, whatever. It, my family history is complicated. Um, yeah, everyone take, was invading everyone on both sides of my family. Take that out. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's still a great fantasy. Yeah, if you put story. it in, you know, you could set it in any other country place, and I always think that with movies when I'm like, oh, why are we like, you know, and it's very much like. No, I'm not going to say racist, but, you know, back then, mm. borderline racist. Mm-hmm. Where there's a lot of films that are set in, like, eastern areas mm-hmm. so that the white saviors can come in and have their, like, adventure story in this, like, mythical, like, yeah. land. And I'm like, why not put it in in Italy or, or Finland yeah. or 
Australia or like, you know, like there's so many other places you could set these films and have the same story, but they go to like it's it's always non- like exotic locations. Yeah, exotic and yeah, it's just they like I love the exotic locations. Not white western. Yeah, exactly. But I don't know. I feel like I don't even know if we're moving past that in cinema actually now. No, I don't think so. It's Yeah, yeah. I always find it complicated. It is. It is. Because it's like it's a staple of cinema, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean? Because it is so built in. And I always so find it interesting because, yeah. yeah, like looking back and like I'm uh, – my whole family is like culture lost. Mm. So I'm very grown up white, not white. Yeah. And I'm sort of just like, I just want to see like different places. And if it is India specifically, I'm like, I just want to see like an Indian film set in India and be like, oh, cool, that's what the culture was of my family, not like yeah, this weird mystical white people were – Coming in the to save interpretation the children. Yeah, of it as it's well. so it's, weird. It's off. Yeah. It's a weird thing to. But um, I didn't think it was the strongest, regardless of all like. This is my least favorite that, film. Of me too. The five. Yeah. All of them. Um. I oh, will say short round. Short round. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he made it. He was fantastic. Kiu Kwan is phenomenal. And I, I wish he did more than just like a couple of films as a kid, and now he's obviously coming back with a resurgence, but. He's great. He's got such charisma on screen. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he's so cheeky. It was great. I think it I like this story point that they did with with him back in that Indiana Jones one and then it comes back yeah. in the newer one in a different way, but the same sort of They had that point. they had that in Dial of Destiny mm-hmm. as well. Which to a degree. I'll get into it. It was a bit, a bit older, later. but yeah. Um but I do like this idea that Indiana Jones, whether sort of explicitly or not, is always kind of a family drama to some degree mm. you had it in the first one with not indy's family but the fact that um marion's yeah yeah dad was sort of a dad to him and then there's a sort of family dynamic in this one he's up. it's he's, his surrogate son yeah essentially well he says he's he, he's known him for a couple of years, couple of years. looking after him basically. although the fact that he doesn't turn up in any others is like oh poor yeah. short round um he just he just forgotten forgot about <laughs> yeah. Short round. yeah and i do like that and then you know the, obviously the third one's his dad the fourth one you've got the son, the son, Marian, and Marion, and, and the they're sort one. of found family more in the they're found family, fourth one. yeah, and and yeah, obviously together and then, they come together at the end, yeah. as, a, as a unit, mm-hmm. yeah. and then the fifth one is the breakdown of that family unit, yeah. Which I think, like, honestly, Indiana Jones has got a really good, um, like, dramatic underlying story yeah. in them that I enjoy. Yeah, I'll get to the fifth one because yeah. I got some things to story about talk about. Um, Me too about that one. We get to it. Um, Anything else on Temple of Doom? I don't think so. I just didn't. What didn't love you it. put notes here about something about Barbara Streisand? What was that all about? Did I? Yeah, something about um, she <laughs> was dressed in leather. Oh, Dominic's yeah. outfit when I don't there was a whipping this. scene. Do you remember the whipping scene where yes, he I gets do. like yep. obviously? Tired. I forgot I wrote these notes. It was like one o'clock. <laughs> it was one o'clock last night, and then she was apparently like obviously on set at the time. Yeah, they and the crew played a, played a practical, practical joke. joke on Harrison Ford. Yeah. She and, uh, appeared in Dominatrix yeah. and then apparently they also got Carrie Fisher through herself in front of Harrison Ford to protect him. <laughs> I, I truly don't have any idea. And some uh, Ivan Kershner. it was filmed. Yeah, it was I'm like, this is how you up. run your movies. I know. I've never heard about this until I was on IMDb last night. Yeah, and I just wow. had to had to put it in there because I was like, what? What is this? What is all this? Yeah. Then? I have no idea. That's yeah, That's great. I'll look that up. Um, this one, yeah, it's darkest of the, of, of them all. Yeah, it's Steven like, Spielberg said. If it wasn't so dark, I think it'd be forgettable. Yeah, exactly. So that's sort of like burned it, into it, our brains as a nightmare. It is the yeah, nightmare is the heart scene where it comes out of his oh, chest. I know, brutal, Far absolutely out. brutal. Um, and obviously like child slave labor as it's well. Just a lot of that. It's a lot yeah. in there. Um, and the voodoo uh, doll mm-hmm. of Harrison Ford yeah. that the kid has. That's something we can talk about. Is the fact that. 
every film has an element of supernatural, right? Yes. First one had the Ark of the Covenant, which was godly powers basically yeah. in a box. This one is voodoo rituals where he can take out the heart of someone which, and sacrifice them that way look, and stuff like I that. Look, I need to do some research, but from my understanding of Indian religions, mm. voodoo is not No, I know. It's it also one of the things that probably mm, yeah. didn't really work right, but that was that one. And Moving the third on. one is well, it was the Holy Grail. So yeah. it was like immortality and stuff like that. Christian. Christian beliefs based on the is cup. It, Biblical? Look it's biblical. Yeah. Grail, but also sort of a myth at this point in pop well, culture. Yeah. 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 So, it's yeah. A, it was during the Crusades. It yeah. was, yeah, all throughout the Catholic history, mm-hmm. Christianity. And the fourth one is I, aliens. I'm fascinated. I want to talk about this later. We'll get we to get that to one, it. but aliens. And then the fifth one is time travel. I really enjoyed the aliens bit. Yeah, we'll get to that For one. For a separate reason. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. And we'll get, yeah. So the next one, Last Crusade. Mm-hmm. It goes back in time a little bit. We got River Phoenix as like that was baby fantastic. Indy, yeah, which I thought so, was fantastic. So young Indiana Jones makes an appearance for the 1912 sequence. Uh, mm-hmm. River Phoenix plays a very iconic character. I love that scene where he's like, I think it was the- The, the cuts his chin. Yeah, he does the yeah. whip, but he cuts his chin uh, with the whip because he's trying to whip someone. And then obviously Harrison Ford has that scar in his life. So it kind of- Yeah, it was a nice little, was a little tie-in. Yeah, it was great. It didn't really have much to have with the story. Like the opening scene of Harrison Ford's character is him getting back the relic that mm-hmm. he was stolen from him as a kid. Well, he was supposed to give it to a museum because that's what he wanted, but he had to give it up. I liked, I actually liked the fact that at this point in the saga or Mm. at the time trilogy, they sort of showed you young Indy because it reminds you that he was a kid once. Yeah. And it sets up the whole thing with his dad quite well. Yeah. It was the introduction to the dad character, which is how he treated Indy as a kid because that's the whole drive of the movie. And I find, I actually think from a story perspective, I love this idea that like, here's how we find out why Indy is. Is the way is he the is. way he is, and yeah. why his flaws are his flaws, yeah, and why he can't keep his family intact for five minutes, yeah. Um, <laughs> but also why he loves archaeology, which I think was fascinating because you've got obviously Marion, her dad was mm-hmm. into archaeology as well. Yeah. You've got yeah. his dad into archaeology. So it was just like he was always going to do it. The, always going to the do next it. one. You've got you know Indy's kid, not really into archaeology. No, um, but, but like that's the whole. It works. Th- that fourth yeah. movie is. Is that and then the f- yeah. the fifth one you've got um his friend's daughter yeah. goddaughter but she comes at it from a very different perspective I'll get on her which I like which yeah yeah we'll get I'll get to that in the fifth one yeah Sean Connery is the dad mm. what do you think uh, I thought he was fantastic I didn't yeah I, I don't have a grab with it apparently he wasn't as old as he should have been no there was only a twelve year difference in actual actors age. So Sean Connery was like 58 and I think Harrison Ford was 37. They so, grayed out his beard a lot. And so, yeah, they grayed out his beard. Clean shaven indie. Yep, exactly, just to make it look like they were different ages. <laughs> Apparently there was a line that Sean Connery ad-libbed when Harrison Ford goes, how did you know she was a spy? And then Sean Connery just like pauses for a second and goes, oh, well, she talks in her sleep. And apparently everyone just lost it and just laughed. That's amazing. And they used it. I missed that in the film. Yeah. Like, I mean, I've watched it, but by that point, it was, it I was, was three yeah, deep. It, it was about halfway yeah. through the film. And he's like, how do you know she was a spy? Oh, she talks in her sleep. And then, like, Harrison clicks to what how he would know that. And he just looks at yeah. his dad. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> it was just like a shock. And I think it was cool that they have that because Indy's t- uh, not, not a complete player, but he does have... Yeah, he's got that charm of, like, I could charm. probably pick up girls if I wanted to. Yeah. yeah. He had that. So when his dad was basically the same, it was very funny. Um, so Steven Spielberg, sorry, I just hit my, anyway, he went on record saying that he made 
the movie for two reasons. One was to fulfill the three movie obligation, which happens a lot in Hollywood. They've signed contracts yeah, for yeah. a run and they have to normally, you know, owe people more money than what they would make, so it's not worth it. Um, but two, he wanted to atone for the criticism of the second one. Which yeah, because there was it, a lot of criticism for how dark it, it was. It did come back. Yeah, go on. I forgot about something about the Temple of Doom. Mm-hmm. So this was the film that actually created a PG-13 rating because of... Oh, really? Yeah, so because it was so dark, it got um, a lot of criticism. Um, they were like, it's PG, and then Steven Spielberg was so cool, you need something between PG and R because this is what this film is. Yeah, and back then. And they basically made PG-13 specifically for Temple of I Doom. I mean, it makes sense because think 80s, cinema was yeah. very clean. I mean, it was there was hectic yeah. movies, but they were for adults. It was a very, there are, yeah. Yeah, there was a very separate distinction between yeah. them. So, yeah, I don't think you yeah. want your little kids seeing Temple of Doom too young. Mm. So, and the UK was the same. It was, like, delayed in release in the UK for a while, and they did the same thing. They did a PG-13 kind of rating. And this That was the movie that kind of made that created. So, That's yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Back to another, like, bizarre fact and kind of a dark one. For the third film, mm-hmm. um, most of the uniforms by the Nazis in the Berlin burn book scene are authentic World War II uniforms, not replicas. Because um, a cache of old uniforms was found in Germany and obtained by the costume designer Anthony Powell, which I think, as a costume designer, fantastic. Could you as imagine actors being, having to be in them? Oh my god! So weirdly uncomfortable. It's phenomenal as the costume designer. Can you imagine, like, oh, we need to design Nazi uniforms. Yeah, oh no, on. wait, we've got literal I've real got them. ones. Just oh, yeah, that's just such a bizarre thing. I think. Yeah. Look, I'm looking, thinking back to the fact that when I was a small child, I did the sound of music and I played a Nazi in one scene, mm. um, which. We just made sort of silly kid Nazi uniforms. Yeah. And I'm I mean, thinking now if I'm doing it as an adult role. having to play a Nazi, you're like, oh, okay, fine, in costume, it's you do it. It's character, But yeah. if I had to do it and wear actual Nazi uniforms. Oh, it'd be weird feeling. Oh, weird yeah. feeling. Yeah. Spooky. Like, just, yeah. It is an odd scene, though, as well. It like, is. it is kind of unneeded. Because I was watching, like, obviously watching, I'm like, they go back to get the diary. They go in. They go undercover wearing the uniforms. They get the diary back straight away off the off the girl. And then they leave. Okay, here's but my thing. But then there's that weird scene with him and Hitler. Yeah. And they get it signed. It's very, very bizarre. So what if they wanted to cut them, but then good old Anthony's managed to actually get your real Nazi uniform. Well, Maybe you, you have to you keep it. You do not cut that <laughs> so scene. So who knows? If they're real, yeah. they're real uniforms, then you don't yeah, cut that scene. like far out. That's just. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking so they've hectic. got the real uniforms and gone, no, nah, we're leaving this in. We can't not now. No, nah, we work around it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Imagine explaining that you put them in and you don't use it. Uh, the the final scene where obviously I think it was a callback to Razor Lost Ark. So the first scene of Razor Lost Ark is he's doing those puzzles to get through yes. without dying, and then at the end here his dad's been shot, so he has yes, to go I get the Holy this. Grail. Yeah. So he had to go through the puzzles again to get through. There was that optical illusion with the 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 rocks. Yes. That he had to walk across, and then there was one that's like. A J was I in Greek or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. So or whatever the yeah. Language. So he had to use a bit of his archaeological training to get Which through I think the puzzles. It's good to remind everyone that he's a little nerd. Yeah, it was a it was a callback to the opening scene because this was basically the end of the trilogy. They probably weren't going to plan doing more. Not well, I've read two things. Like one, yes, that, they have. Yes, they have. Yes, they have. Yes, they haven't. Yeah, but probably at the time they hadn't. Yeah, the end of the th- yeah they're thinking probably cool. This is the three. Probably so it was a good like callback. A, a clause to, of like potentially. Yeah. One day maybe. Yeah. Depending on Harrison Ford's ability to want to do it. <laughs> yeah, it was a good – it just kind of came full circle and the end of the trilogy is them riding off into the distance on their horses. I was like, oh, it's, it's really nice. I think it worked as a family – Yeah, as a family story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So the fourth of them. Because I remember they did want to do a story, even originally was Indiana Jones went off with his professor, Marcus. That was always, they always wanted yeah. Marcus to be a part of the adventure at some point. So when they wrote the third one, they included him to come along for the ride. Marcus is just fantastic. fantastic. I love him. He's just silly and he goes along. He's like, it's over this way. And then they're like, he got lost in his own museum. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Yeah, which I think reminds people, like, I think Indiana Jones gave people a very misleading view of archaeologists. <laughs> it did. Because um, they're really just like nerds. respectfully snivelly little nerds yeah. that are living in their own little world and digging up things oh, in the don't dirt. Don't get wrong. They're very And then discovering the coolest shit out there. Yeah. But um, when they're not actually digging up cool stuff, it's yeah. a real, <laughs> real lonely Lonely time, a lot of books. And look, I studied ancient history in high school, so mm-hmm. I'm I'm not coming at this from it's a dry. judgment perspective. I'm coming at this from like it's not adventures like Indy was on. No, but I did think about studying history at yeah. Indy. If it I didn't, it's interesting. Film. Let's get on to Crystal Skull just to get through it. Yeah, sure. so everyone told me bad things about this. My whole childhood, I remember hearing, "Oh, it's just not as good. It's not as good." Shia Buffs in it, and I was like, "Oh, okay." I watched it. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, look, look, not my favorite, but I rewatched this for the first time since watching it in the cinema in two thousand and eight. Mm-hmm. I also enjoyed it. Yeah, I thought was it, it wasn't as bad. Kate maybe Blanchett's it's just like the scope of cinema since. Yeah, maybe. I don't know, maybe cinema's but got worse. I don't know, but I was like, oh, this isn't that all that bad. Look, there's parts of it I didn't love, but the parts of it that I loved, I really loved. Yeah, so it's eighteen years after, like, it was made eighteen years after. The third one. Mm-hmm. So there was a big gap. So he's obviously a lot older, but now now that we know there's a fifth one in the making. He's really when you not watch that old. the fourth one, you're like, actually, he's really not that he's old not. in this. He's actually fine. Yeah. Yeah. Kate Blanchett's in it uh, as the villain. She, she did a really oh, good job. Yeah. Great. It's fun. Bad accent, but brilliant anyway. Yeah. Questionable. Um, what did you make of the opening scene, the Hangar 51 being the end of the first movie, the co- where the covenant gets put in? the warehouse with all the boxes and then this is the opening scene which is clearly a callback just to go oh you hear that reference there's a reference i thought it was pretty good i probably missed it to be honest you didn't notice that there was a (laughs) quick second where they like they obviously there's chaos happening maybe i noticed it maybe i didn't notice it that's all i can say is broken open and for a split second the camera pauses on the ark of the covenant and then continues on Look, I don't know. It was really good. Was I think I was watching them so so much back to back that I was sort of noticing what's one, everything what's and the nothing. Other? Yeah, it was. Yeah, I yeah, I don't think this one was as bad as no. That, look, there were moments that were. I don't not think great. Shia LaBeouf was as bad as I remember. Bad's not the no. word I'm trying. To, probably like um, irritating as I remember. Mm. I think when I remember it, I was like, oh god, he's he's just trying to be like Indiana Jones. Yeah. Like, uh, what are they trying to do with this? Like spin it off. With I think him people as the weren't next sure what they were doing. Yeah. Um, but knowing that they weren't doing that, I, I enjoyed it. I thought his character made sense. I think maybe the criticism for him throughout like time got convoluted because I think because of him himself, him acting did a fine job. The character was great. Him, the way he did the press tours yeah. was not great. And I think maybe the mythology of he's a loose cannon thing. Yeah. Kind of got yeah. complicated, but yeah, I think that's exactly right. I think at the time, like he, this was like his peak. This was Transformers. Mm-hmm. This was he's just on holes. He's on Transformers. He was doing a bunch of stuff during this time, mm-hmm. and I think same thing with like the Chris Pratt effect. I think it was too much too soon, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh my god, Shia LaBeouf's in everything. Can you just calm down? And, and I, I don't think he had the support system to get through no, Hollywood, which no. I mean, most of them didn't. No, and so now he's you know a washed up actor who doesn't do much anymore. And does little weird roles where he gets a whole full suit tattooed on him for it and it bombs. 
Yeah. The tax collector. Anyway. Yeah. On that side note, anyway, the story of him being Mutt Williams was, mm-hmm. I really liked I it. I think it made sense. I think it made sense. I thought that was the right time for Indiana Jones to be a father figure. Mm-hmm. Perfect timing. And that's what he was. I love how it's like, oh, you left school? That's fine. Yeah. That's okay. Do what you want to do. Yep. And then, like, he finds out he's his son. He's like, you didn't finish school. You didn't let you, him finish you school. You didn't let him finish school. Yeah. I thought it was really good. I think I, I really liked the family dynamics of this one, which maybe people didn't, but I thought it was brilliant that they yeah. bring back Marion. Marion. They bring, he's got a kid. They've got um, John Hurt he, as, like, the what well, was his father figure, but mm-hmm. he's gone crazy. Yeah. And I really like this idea of, like, a stepfather as well. And Indy's kind of annoyed. And Marion's like, well, you left me you again. You left me again. So, like, I'm not waiting for – I mean, I yeah. love you, but I'm not waiting for you every yeah. time. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, just the fact that he has this kid, but he's very much – obviously was an absent parent. Yeah. And I think it's sort of – Marion was just like, well, if you weren't going to be around, I wasn't going to make you be around. Like, I can raise a kid on my own. Yeah. Kind of thing, which, yeah, yeah. I think worked. I like the idea that from a story perspective that he wasn't his dad. Yeah. You know, yeah. and then he comes into the story and he can hold his own and he's, yeah. he's into it, but he's he's not his dad. And I think that yeah, no. maybe rubs Indy the wrong way because he was his dad. Um, I think Marion similar to her dad. Like they yeah. all kind of did it. And then this kid's just like. This kid was. Huh? Lost, I think. Thro- yeah, and he was thrown into the adventure as well. I, I really like the scene where they're going through that graveyard, mm-hmm. the Inca graveyard. And he gets his little comb out because he's he's a greaser, yeah. so he's it's a, it's the sixties, mm-hmm. and he's he's a greaser, so he's constantly combing his yep. hair. He's got the leather jacket, the motorbike. He's cool. He's little. And he gets the he gets the comb out, and he's sh- his hands shaking while he's yeah. combing his hair. And then Indy goes, "What are you doing? Put that away! Like shine the torch over here." But he's, so he's on this adventure, and he's a young kid, and he's he's just scared. He's he's trying to act tough, and you get that too when he's got the scene where he's talking to Indiana Jones at the table. He's like, that's my mother. Don't talk to my mother about that. Because he's like, which I've known a lot of Marians. He would have known which Marian it was. Yeah. Well, Mary, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Is yeah, what is what he says. And he just stands up and like he's like, you don't need to, you know, act tough yep. the whole time. Like, take a chill pill, yeah. basically. So that just showcases what Shia Booth's character was. Mm-hmm. He's, he's it's all a front. It's all yeah, front. He's, and I a, like he's that. a very vulnerable kid inside and he just wants support. And yeah, I just think he he grows to be one of the characters on this adventure like he obviously grows to like indy along the journey like he understands what where indiana jones comes from mm-hmm. a little bit more and then towards the end there's like obviously indiana jones and marion kind of rekindle mm-hmm. and he accepts it obviously yeah and it's like yeah it was a good little family dynamic towards the end yeah and i think what i really enjoyed about this one is all the way through even with like the the professor that lost it a bit his stepdad kind yeah. of character is that they found their own little like found family so yeah. when the stakes are really high in all of the action stuff even though like yeah it was cgi this time and it didn't feel as you know maybe exactly the same as the ones yeah. from the 80s you cared about all these characters caring about these characters mm. in it like um i think there's like a moment when they all jump into the water and indy like marion he like helps her up but then he's like yeah, there's just little there's little bits. There's little moments all through yeah. it where it's like they really care for each other, and even just when they're like walking through temples and stuff, like yeah. they're all like holding onto each other and making sure everyone's okay as they're going. Yeah, and that makes you care a lot because you're like these guys have been together forever now, and yeah, they really at the end of the day, whether they're getting these crystal skulls and this and that, it's it's they just want to make sure that that all their people are like safe and, mm. and yeah, I was like it's, it's sweet it, in a not too wanky it's, way. It's people need to I think. It's the same with Star Wars. I think when this came out, people have, you know, their own fandom 
of this thing, this mm-hmm. franchise, and in their mind they have ownership. Like it's you can't turn it off. You no. just have it when it you just have is fandom. What it is. Yeah. So when something comes out and it's changing the character's trajectory in their mind, I think they get scared. That's, they get scared, and that's when critical response comes out. Mm-hmm. Looking back, I'm like, this film is not as bad as it. There was a couple moments to, I didn't yeah, love, like, like I mean, when he's of, like you know George of the Jungling. Yeah, through it, I was I like, think okay, that's just, that yet wasn't again, necessary. Come back to the CGI. I just think the CGI made it look jank. Yeah, and that's another criticism of this film is yeah, it's overuse of CGI. But can you really do a spaceship scene without, without so. it? I don't think so. Not at the time. It's cheaper no. to do that than it was to practical, which is yeah. why they went to it. But look, I, how did you feel about the alien thing? Because I I didn't hate it, but it reminded me of in high school. Because there's yeah. Okay, hang on. How am I? How am I going to say this without sounding? Mental, but like, <laughs> but there is theories of the audience know you by now. It's fine. Yeah, she's, she's crazy. Um, there's sort of theory, and I learned this in high school because my ancient history teacher was an interesting man. Um, yeah, these theories that that goes way, way, way back to like the 1800s Germany and stuff, mm. where they would depict aliens having come to Earth. And mm-hmm. there's ones that's like some of it's even like way, way early in like the Sumerians, and mm. then I think more of a, like a European. Civilization where they depict the same sort of yeah. alien beings coming to Earth, teaching us things, and then, and leaving, then leaving again. Yeah. And what's well, interesting, and whether you believe it or not, but I find it, it these are fictions, so it doesn't matter, you can have fun with it. If you look at the timeline of human history when we've suddenly discovered something, it's every so many years. And in oh, the okay. mythology of aliens coming to Earth in these Sumerian and other things, it was every so many years. And oh. if you actually look at our history as human discovery, Kind of adds up a little bit. Oh, okay. I'm not saying they're real. No. But all I'm saying is... you don't want to be that crazy no, person. No, I haven't looked into it enough to, no, to believe it. Yeah. Um, you know, I guess that's what this truth. story was kind of drawing Going on. into that. Yeah. yeah. It, like, it was fine. The thing is, every one of these films has a MacGuffin. Mm-hmm. It, it has one of those things that, you know, they have to find all they need. And this time it was a crystal skull and to get to the end, end game, which is where they ended up. Yeah. And originally, Indiana was supposed to be up against ex-Nazis, but Spielberg felt he couldn't really treat Nazis lightly after Schindler's List. Yeah. So they sort of felt, you know, no more Nazis and they ended up doing sort but of Cold War. also the time War. frame as yeah. well. Like it would make sense being the Russians this and, time. And um, apparently George Lucas had heard that um, Stalin had been interested in Crystal Skulls um, and he made the Soviet script like around the villains and yeah. the Crystal Skulls because it was based on yeah truth or fiction depending what the reality was, but it was sort of... It a, lined up. a myth at the time yeah, it, about it, Stalin. It, so, it lined up. Look, I think it was fine. I think it was fine. I think it was completely fine. I think it's. I think with time and age, I, I've accepted this one a lot more. Yeah. I think it's fine. Still not my favorite. Raiders Lost Ark mm-hmm. is going to be the top easy by far. This is probably my third favorite mm. out of them. So yeah, it's not that bad. I think it's pretty good. No. Nah, uh, yep. And that moves us into Dial of Destiny, which we both watched. Last night. Yes. So 2023, the newest one, which is set two timelines again. Mm-hmm. Um, it's set in, I think, 1947 and 1969. Because 69 because it was the moon mm-hmm. landing yeah. for the current timeline. And so then they it, went back a bit. They went back a bit. Um, how did you feel about Dial of Destiny? Look, not my favourite mm-hmm. um, for obvious reasons, but from a story, uh, like a a character perspective, so mm. that's not the overall story, but the character stuff. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I think if you're going to make one now, they did a pretty good job, especially because it wasn't Spielberg. 
Yeah, either. it's not. It's like George Lucas and Spielberg executive produced it, so they obviously funded mm-hmm. money into it, but they weren't involved in any way. It was and a different yeah, director, which is James Mangold. Mm-hmm. Didn't so mind where they went with it. Originally, they were talking about doing a script in 2016 mm-hmm. um, and Spielberg was at the helm and he talked to Karen Allen, Marion, mm-hmm. about it. And so she figured Marion's going to be in a fair bit. Mm-hmm. And I think at that time, that was kind of where the story was going. Not that she'd read any scripts, but just yeah. in talks, that's where it looked like it was heading. Early, early script development. James Mangold took over, mm-hmm. revamped it, cutting her out of it mostly, um, mm-hmm. which I'm not mad about. I mean, I would have liked more of her because I like her character, but... Her story, her character's in it, just she's not on screen. She's not on screen. She she has relevance to the story. Yeah, so I think it was well done in in that way. I liked that it was another family adventure with uh, Indiana's goddaughter, played yes, by Phoebe yep. Waller-Bridge, yep. who's not a typical companion in, in this. We're going to spoil it, so if, yeah, if you don't want to hear spoilers... We're going to be talking about it. If not, come back stop to this the and watch podcast the movie. now, yeah. um, but you've heard up till now. I didn't love her character. Mm-hmm. I found her to be... Is she just in fit in the world of Indiana Jones? No, that's fair. But I think that's the point of this film. Yeah. Where does Indiana Jones fit in, in this the world. new world? He doesn't. That's exactly right. So in that respect, it works. Yeah, but I don't know. I just didn't. I'm not saying she was a bad actress because I think she was fine. I think she obviously knows what she's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't think the character didn't have an arc. Yeah, no, I that's don't fair. think the character had an arc. There was no like learning curve because just suddenly at the end. She gets Indy to come back from what wherever he is, and Syracuse, Syracuse, <laughs> and yeah, it still doesn't really have an arc. No, I, I agree. Th- with that's that, the actually. that's the part the the part that I was missing for her character. There was no development of her character the whole time. She's just like, I'm in it for the money. I just want to sell things for the money. Mm-hmm. And then why? Okay, cool. I like the Great. idea of what it was meant to be. I don't think it it kind of executed as yeah. well as it could have. Yeah, like I like the idea that she isn't in it for the right reasons yeah. because she's kind of been burnt by the fact that her father went a bit mental Based over on it. This. And then Indy was supposed to be the father figure who couldn't step up once no, again, again, left her. So she's kind of... he's so traumatically closed off from everything he's gone through in his life. Yes and no, because like she says, like, I read every book. Mm-hmm. I've, I learned everything that he ever read. My dad wrote about this style of destiny. And then there's a quote like halfway through the film when they're going through like one of the caves and, mm-hmm. and Indiana Jones goes, you you wouldn't be in it for the money if you read every single note yeah. your dad left. And it's like, yeah, but she is though. Yeah. So I it's think, like you're not showcasing that. I think they, they knew what they wanted and if they managed to pull it off it would have worked. But yeah, I think but they I lost think they, they lost it in times in this one. Like Yeah, you could see where they wanted yeah. it to go, but it just it felt never flat. quite flat. Yeah, I think yeah. It's hard when you take something that belonged to someone else, which mm. obviously this film was originally belonged to someone else, yep. and then you try and revamp it, But and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, when mm. you're taking an idea that wasn't originally yours and trying to do something with it because you're not sure where you want to go. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, it's like that was a minor gripe. It was mm. it was just something that, about her character. I was like, eh, it's fine. I didn't mind this movie. I thought it was fine. It's probably probably sits four out of five. So obviously Temple of Doom is the lowest mm-hmm. for me than this one. Yeah. Yeah, I so agree. yeah, it's it's watchable. It has reason to, to be made. Like it's definitely like another. We're gonna spoil it a little bit more now. Like there's a moment halfway through the film where um, Phoebe's character is talking to Indiana Jones, and it's like, you know, if you could time travel to any point in time, where would you go? Because the whole idea of the dial is time travel. Mm-hmm. That's the drive of the story. And he goes, 
would I'd go see my son. Uh, what would you say to him? I would stop him from enlisting. Yeah, that was and so how would you heavy. Was, uh, why would he enlist? Oh, I think it was just to piss me off. What would you say to him? I would tell him he would die. Yeah. And it was just that moment that you realise what happened to the son's character and you're like, far out. Yeah, Emotional you, beat. You just really looked at me hit. after that. And, like, and, it, and it Well, just to, after watching the fourth yeah. one that day as well, I was like, Jesus, okay. And it sort of talks about how because he died – Marion was inconsolable yeah. and that's yeah. why their relationship broke up again. Yeah, it wasn't just him going off on another no, adventure. It was like, like it was a breakdown of family. be there for her in the way that yeah. she maybe needed and couldn't ask for or, or whatever. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was really heavy. It was the standout point of the entire movie yeah, was, was that one scene. It was scene. a beautiful bit. Yeah, it really was. And then I enjoyed sort of the end where scene. they wrapped up yeah. his and her, her story. Yeah, so Marion comes back at the end and um, I love how she asks – Mm-hmm. I heard you're back, Indy, and then looks at him and pauses for a second. And goes, "Are you back?" Yeah, and like then, she just yeah. needs to know for this last time. Yeah. Like they've been doing this. And over then he and walks over, over to her and does the whole call back to the first yeah. film. Like, oh, where's it? Where yeah. doesn't it hurt? Kiss here, kiss here. Which and I was like, ah, oh, sweet. It's it was sweet. They they managed to pull that off in a mm. way that it felt endearing yeah. and sweet to see these two older, older people couple, yeah. who have been flames on and off have this for moment, decades. Yeah, yeah. Um, that they didn't manage to make really cheesy. Yeah. So I, I enjoyed that bit because it's not easy to do, but they pulled it off. Yeah. So I think, like you said, the emotional heart of this movie was there. I think they did mm-hmm. that really well. I think, like, you know, the 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 reasons why he's kind of this – because it opens with him literally just sitting in, a, like, a, a chair in this, like, rundown, like, New York apartment. Uh-huh. Half-dressed. Like, Half-dressed, disheveled. And you're like, he's, a, he's an esteemed professor. He's – in the last film, he was married. Like, the, yeah. you know he was married at the end with a kid. What's gone on since? Yeah. Where has this come from? And you kind of get the story throughout the movie. Um, yeah, what did you make of the the opening scene, I guess, the 1944 stuff? Very, very indie-esque. Yeah, I, very, like, I enjoyed it. I think I was disappointed a lot in this, and this isn't a gripe on this film. This is just the way it's gone. Mm. Um, and also, this one was the first one that was shot digitally, not on thirty-five mm. mil. So you could, it felt different yeah, visually. Definitely. Like yeah. there's a different feel you get with film. To sound really wanky about it, but there is. No, you can hundred um, percent tell the difference. I and there was I a could. lot of CGI in this one, and I felt the de aging. It's well, that was yeah, but it's I accepted that. That I wasn't the it. worst thing. It was not the worst de aging I've but ever seen. I just think the whole thing suffers. Now when we do CGI, because we make everything so bloody dark. And when we didn't yep. do it with CG and it had to be practical, they had to do it in the daytime most times so they could see and it was safe. Yep. So you they could just, see yeah. the action. And I struggled to see the action. I felt the same and with a lot it, of scenes. It pulled me out of it because I wasn't, I couldn't, I couldn't see it as much. Scene. And I was like, I don't, I can't feel the danger because I can't see the danger. No, they're on the train and they're like mm. fighting and on the top. Ages. It was 25 minutes. Yeah. It was supposed to only be 10. Far out. But they expanded it to be like a full, like, indie adventure kind of I think sequence. it was unnecessary. Um, yeah, they could have tightened that up. It introduced the villain character, though. That was good. I look. I, I, um, Mads I, Mikkelsen does phenomenal as a villain. He was a great Bond villain. He did really well here. We'll ask you a question because um, my housemate Ben went and saw it last night at a different time. He had some gripes with it. Okay. We had the discussions about that, but this one randomly, and I agree with him. You remember how... Uh, Mads Mikkelsen's character was holding onto the train and they jump over this post that goes over and then he gets hit by it. Yeah. How on earth did he survive that? <laughs> it was flying. I don't know. Because <laughs> that's how they get away from him, obviously. 
yeah, at the I start. Think um, I have gripes with this film, but it wasn't enough for me to be like, it's not an enjoyable adventure film. Go watch no, it. No, exactly. So go it was s- go like, see this film. Yeah, like you can have gripes, but it wasn't the worst thing. For me, it was above average. Yeah. I would watch it again. Yeah. I would watch it again. It wasn't terrible. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, definitely not the best the series has ever been. But if you're going to revamp it, it yeah. wasn't It wasn't bad. It truly yeah, wasn't it, bad. Yeah. I will get into major spoiler territory again. So in case you are listening and you, I don't know how you got this far and didn't turn it off. It does end up with time travel. Yes, it does. It does. So the whole idea of the dial is two parts to put it together. It tells you where to be at a certain location to then have a fissure in time, mm-hmm. which means you can time travel. Yes. And they expected it to be going back. So the idea of the villain is to go back and take the place of Hitler at a certain time because he knows all the wrongs that he did because then he would be the one with the power. That's the whole idea of the villain. But they Does that didn't make ac- you worse than Hitler? I think it does. I think it does. Uh, <laughs> they didn't account for continental drift, mm-hmm. which is where continents, you know, move constantly around. Yeah. So they're in the wrong place. Yes. So they ended up back in, I think it was 2016 BC or something. It was like wildly earlier than they expected. Yeah. With Archimedes. Like Archimedes and the Romans were attacking. Mm-hmm. And so they ended up well back in time. There's a whole point. There's a battle scene essentially. Yeah. Indy's been shot. Indy wants to stay there in that time frame because mm-hmm. he's literally witnessing history. But then, quite sweet. But there's him. a whole there's a whole thing with this point, right, like of him like, like I want to stay here. And it's like, no, like Phoebe's character is like, you, you, no, we need you back then, yep. which is our time frame. And he goes, for who? And it's like. Well, for us, like yeah. everyone else back. Um, and it's like you create your own history and you can't live in the past. Yep. The whole idea of that scene was you can't live in the past. Mm-hmm. So that was for everyone, basically the audience as well, probably talking about the original trilogy. You can't live in the past, guys. It, I don't know. It was a very layered scene, I yep. felt, even though it was just like I want to stay here in the – Yeah. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it. I, I liked it. it. Yeah. Um, I thought – it. look, I love history. Um, I was like, oh, yeah, Greece. And I'm learning a bit of Greek because I'm going. So I was like, yeah, I know two words Shuckles. or three words that she's talking about. Yeah. I like this. I felt very. Yeah, you're like, ooh. <laughs> ooh. Um, yeah, no, I think it, if they were going to do it, it worked. Yeah. I like that he wanted to stay because he's so lost and doesn't know what he's existing for anymore. But no. she reminds him like, you know, hey, yeah, you, in the world there are people that care about, uh, you. Care about you and yeah. and come back to it. And I think yeah. that's a nice yeah. universal lesson for people that are sort Yeah, of, it was like, really – yeah. Endearing. I thought it was quite good. Yeah. And then that she like smacks the crap out of him to bring yeah, him back. He, yeah, he's literally like, no, I'm staying. So he, she knocks him out. Yeah, which yeah, typical in Indiana. And then go back. Yeah, yeah. which happens. Um, yeah, that's why I'm like, no, this film's worth seeing. It's I worth seeing so. uh, if you're a fan of Indiana Jones in any form of seeing them, just do it. Just go see it. And that's, that's I think, it. I think we, that's it. That wraps up our Indiana Jones. Yeah, I like saga. Indiana Jones. I yeah, I like all of them. They're I'd watch cool. them all again. I'd even watch Temple of Doom, which is my least favorite. Again, it's, it's fine. Um, that about wraps up our episode. It so. does. Thanks everyone for listening. If you're new and just tuning into this one, thanks for giving it a go. We've got a backlog of quite a few now. Um, and if you're not new, thanks for sticking with us. Like always, you can find us online on Instagram and Twitter at binge lists or email us at binge list and box office hits um, at gmail.com. We're thinking of doing t shirts. If you're interested, yeah, hit us I've up. I've had about thinking doing four people buy them so far off me. Stickers, hit yep. us up. And uh, that's it. Happy watching and yes. uh, happy listening. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Bye.